That last song, which was done, uh, seeks to capture the poetry, really, of the birth of Christ. If you notice that last uh, set of lines there, the shepherd uh, born to live with us uh, actually died for us, the shepherd's lamb. And on one hand, it pictures the promise throughout the Old Testament that God would send one who would be the shepherd of his people, that he himself would take on that initiative and provide someone who would be their ruler, their leader, their shepherd. And that's why when Jesus was on the earth, he looked out at the crowds and saw them as sheep not having a shepherd. They needed someone who could be the leader for them, who could care for them and tend to them. But the other side of that imagery in the shepherd lamb imagery is one that was somewhat shocking to them. And that is that he didn't immediately become announced as the shepherd, but was first announced as the lamb of God. And tonight it's like, I'd like to have us look at just one verse of scripture. I think it's gonna be on the screen for you that helps uh, set the standard, or I should say the, the platform for the rest of Christ's earthly ministry. This comes from the Gospel of John in the first chapter. The he in the verse, the next day he saw Jesus is John the Baptist. So this is right at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry when John the Baptist, the one who the Old Testament had prophesied would go before the Lord and prepare the way he has already baptized Jesus because after this verse, he mentions seeing the Holy Spirit come down from heaven and anoint Jesus as the Messiah. So this is actually, as Jesus is passing by, John fulfills his role as a voice in the wilderness, crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. And this is what he says about Jesus. The next day, the next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's been a lot of uh, debate and discussion about where John got that imagery from, the Lamb of God. Uh, I, think, I think we really can't peg it on any specific Old Testament promise necessarily. Uh, if we did, it would be Isaiah 53, where, where the Messiah is described as a lamb being led to slaughter. And the reason I would say that is because the word that's translated lamb there, if you know the New Testament is written in Greek, it only appears four times in the New Testament. Here, verse 36, where John says, behold the Lamb of God. In Acts chapter eight, where the Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53, and it says, led as a lamb to slaughter. And, and that refers to the suffering servant and and Stephen begins to say, this is Jesus. And then the last time is in 1 Peter chapter 1, where it says, we have been ransomed with the precious blood as of a lamb without spot and blemish, the blood of Christ. So, so there is, if there is a specific place in the Old Testament, it would be that great prophecy in Isaiah 53. But I, I think it's probably more likely that John is just capturing really sort of a anticipation of everything that the Old Testament had said. From just outside the Garden of Eden, when man had sinned, the process of sacrifice took place in order to restore fellowship with God. And all the way through the Old Testament, the lamb was actually the sacrifice that was the substitute in the place of sinners. Because the scripture had said that the consequence of sin was death and that the sacrifice was provided because the life of the flesh was in the blood. And if you notice in the text, it says the lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. It's clearly a reference to the fact that Jesus was coming to be a sacrifice for sin, that he was going to be the one who would carry away or remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. As I quoted from 1 Peter just a moment ago, that we're ransomed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and spot. The, the principle taught throughout the scripture is that the consequence of sin is death and therefore we're separated from God. We're under God's judgment because we're guilty because of sin. And the Bible says that of all of us because all of us like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has sinned. We've fallen short of God's glory. What God commanded us to do, which he has every right to do because he's the maker of heaven and earth, He's the one who rules over everything that he's made. And he has said, this is the way that I want you to live. This is what you shall do. And we said, no, I'm not going to do what you've commanded me to do. We fall short of what God has said. And that the Bible describes as sin. But it's even more than just we fail to do what God said. We actually actively have done what he's told us not to do. Most of us have heard the commandments, thou shalt not. And in the face of God's command not to, we have said, oh, I will. I will do my way. I will do what I want. I will treat myself as the ruler. And the Bible is very clear that the wages or consequence of that sin is death. And so all the world is under the sentence of death because all the world is guilty of violating the law of God. But God sent his son, the lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. In fact, it's very clear just two chapters later that that love of God, which sent his son into the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Right? That, that that sacrifice of Christ and the cross provided the way for us to be reconciled to God. I've mentioned both judgment and guilt because both of those are wrapped up in what the lamb did. The scriptures talk about the offering of a lamb as the removal of guilt so that we can have forgiveness. But it also is the satisfaction of condemnation so that we can be restored to fellowship that God provided a way for the guilt of my sin to be placed on the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and the penalty of my sin to be paid for by him through the shedding of his blood so that I could have the gift of eternal life, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was the first public announcement of his earthly ministry that this one who rightly could claim to be the king of the Jews had come to die in the place of sinners, to give his life a ransom for many, he says in Matthew chapter 28, that he willingly subjected himself to the consequence of my sin so that I could be freed from the consequence of my sin. He took on himself the penalty that I deserved so that I could be rescued from that penalty. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when John says that phrase at the end there, the sin of the world, that probably just sort of 
rolls off our tongue. But remember, John the Baptist is standing before a group of Israelites who thought they were the sole inheritors of all of God's promises and blessings. And John is announcing that this lamb is going to be the savior of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that the extent of Christ's salvation is out to the ends of the earth and to the ends of the age. But it's very important for us to hear the second part of John 3.16, which I have left off the first two times I quoted it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might have everlasting life. You see, Jesus came into the world to make the provision for salvation, to pay the penalty for sin, to offer to all life in his name, but that gift must be received. The scriptures describe that receiving of it as believing in him, putting our trust and confidence that what Jesus did at the cross actually is my salvation. So much, uh, so much of what people talk about and think about religiously either uh, goes into a ditch on one side or other of the road. On one side is a ditch that denies that we're sinners. We're all good enough and God loves us all and everything will be okay. And people accept that except for the worst cases, right? If, if I was having a conversation with you and so, oh, everybody's going to say, God's, God loves everybody. And I said, so Hitler? And you go, ah, well, maybe there's some people so bad, right? The reality of it is we have a tendency to ignore the serious nature of sin and therefore eliminate the need for a lamb that would die as a substitute for sinners. And on the other hand, is to turn away from the reception of the gift that's necessary by faith, because we also are inclined to think that we can do something to save ourselves. That if I pray enough, or I go to church enough, or I do good things, we come into the end of the year and everyone's like, I'm gonna do good for people. And, and, and instead of thinking that we need a sacrifice that's a substitute for us, we want to present ourselves as the solution. I can do enough good works, or I can be religious enough, or I can buy my way or pray my way or give my way into heaven. And the whole point of what John is saying here when he says that salvation is found in a lamb who was slain, is that I am that bad, that someone needed to die in my place. And I'm that helpless that I cannot save myself. I need someone to do for me what I can't do for myself. And here's the great news. He did it. Jesus came into the world, the eternal son of God took to himself a human nature so that he might be able to die in the place of sinners, paying the penalty for our sin, rising from the grave because the offering of the lamb was accepted. And he offers to everybody in this room. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's not a person 
outside of this invitation. Jesus extends to you tonight the gift of forgiveness of all your sins. He extends to you the gift of freedom from condemnation because he purchased that gift with his own death. He bought it. We were ransomed by the precious blood of Christ. Jesus is a greater savior than anybody's sin in this room. He can take it away, both its guilt and its penalty. If you will acknowledge that you're a sinner, confess Jesus Christ is your Lord, believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and that one day he will come to bring salvation for everybody who's trusted in him. I hope you know him tonight. I hope that tonight the beauty of these songs isn't just in the music, but in the message of them, that you understand that there is a savior in Jesus Christ who is fully able to rescue us because he's the son of God.